Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 326 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So, gosh, it is already this time of year where we are one (laughs) this one time of year where we're thinking about getting back to all of the routines and whether your kids are back in school or not, or even if you have kids of school age or not, it just feels like a good reset time of year. And there's lots of ways to tackle that. And, you know, on the blog and on our social and here on the podcast, we'll be coming at the back to school season in a variety of ways. But we're kind of doing like we're kind of zooming in on one specific thing this week, and that is breakfast. Um, We've talked a lot about feeding our families over the years in lots of different ways. But I'm kind of excited about this one, Megan, because we're just going to stick with the breakfast meal and do a whole bunch today. We're going to unpack some some myths about breakfast, talk about what we actually feed our kids um, and maybe offer some some tips and go to's. Yeah, I love this because I think, you know, just like all meals are all meals are loaded, right? Everything we feed our kids is loaded and and like sometimes dripping with guilt and expectations. And breakfast, even though it's probably one of my very favorite meals, but doesn't mean I want it to look the way like I kind of have thought it was supposed to look when I was looking like at photos, you know, or, or if I was going by like the common advice. So I just, I think this is a great topic because there's lots of ways to do a good dinner and there's lots of ways to do a good breakfast. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm imagining a lot of our listeners are maybe pinning ideas and hacks and recipes this time of year, or they're being fed a lot of social media content about lunch packing ideas and quick weekday breakfast. And all of that's great. You and I have worked in parenting media and written blog posts like that for years. But I think sometimes what that leaves out is, and what we always try to do on this show is like, yeah, but what's actually happening inside the four walls of any one family's home. And I I actually wanted to pick your brain about this because you you have written in the parenting media landscape for, I don't know, 15 plus, almost 20 years. 
And you and I have talked a lot about dinner and how sometimes like we could be fed this this line that if your family's not sitting around all together eating the same food around a, a shared table every single night that you're somehow failing at dinner. So I'm curious if you think there are some messages around feeding your family breakfast that have gotten similarly, I don't know if overused or like just that limit us in our thinking and maybe make us judge ourselves too harshly. Well, yes. First of all, I think the biggest message that has been crammed down all of our throats, (laughs) pun completely intended, for decades now is that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and that if you don't eat breakfast, you're more likely to be overweight. Like all these things, right? Like there's all these things that are like tied in with breakfast. And I think a lot of that has been seized upon by marketing um, Mm -hmm. and, and has created this feeling where like we're failing if our kids aren't sitting down and having the version of a balanced breakfast. I'm making big air quotes with that. We were kind of like sold on the back of a Cheerios box growing up, which was remember like how that would look like it had every food group represented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. my experience as a kid was that I was not an early riser. Um, I was never very hungry when I first woke up. In fact, I would feel rather nauseated if I had to eat. And I remember, um, not my parents, I think they knew better, but like other well-meaning adults in my life serving me these like big, very kind of ornate, elaborate breakfasts before I went off to school and me sitting down, just dreading it because I would Mm -hmm. be like, there's no way I'm getting this food down. Like, I don't want it. I'm not hungry yet. And feeling like I had to eat it because that was what you did. And kids aren't really given a lot of opportunities to eat again. So if they're school-aged, they go to school, especially if they don't have passing periods and they're just sitting in their classrooms until lunchtime. Yeah. They don't always have another opportunity to eat, which is too bad as well, because a kid who's not at all hungry at 7 a.m. might be really, really, really hungry by 930. So I guess there's just a lot. I don't want to rant on this too much, but whenever I see studies that are or like hear these sort of truisms that are sort of just tossed out there as if they are gospel, it always makes me a little suspicious because one thing I also learned as a as a parenting media writer and just in general, um, a journalist. I wasn't ever like a hard hitting journalist, but I did a lot of service journalism. And there's a lot of ways to make research kind of say what you want it to say or to like take the bias you already have and support it with research that maybe is not all that strong. And Mm -hmm. I am currently not an early morning breakfast eater. I love breakfast foods. Um, But now there's emerging research that shows that like skipping breakfast or like intermittent fasting has some health benefits. And a lot of it is personal. And it's just, it kind of irritates me that like all families are treated the same, whether everyone's waking up at five Uh and, you know, hanging out until seven and eating and then going to school at eight or waking up at seven and going to school at seven 30. Those are very different family lives Mm -hmm. and very different kinds of, um, I don't know. Those are just very different ways of approaching a morning. And if the goal is to get quality foods into our kids and enough of them and the right amounts of them and all that, it's probably going to look pretty individual the way that's done. And so I just don't like, I just don't like the one size fits all mold. And I don't like this idea of like breakfast is super important, eating healthy breakfast. And then the pressure that goes with that. I 100% agree. And I think this, all of that files into this, uh, this kind of truism that I come back to, which is, you know, your kid best. Um, and if you're, and, you know, we are not saying that breakfast is bad or that it's right. bad to try to get some nutrients into your kid first thing in the morning so they don't crash before recess. 
if that is, if that's your kid's profile and that's your family's schedule, then by all means, making breakfast a priority. We're not saying, oh, skip it. It doesn't matter. We're just saying that, you know, your kid and your family and your schedule and the rhythm of your family best. And as we look into this fall and anytime we're doing like a routines reset, I agree with you, Megan, that we can always gut check uh, traditional conventional wisdom against what we know works for our families. So it's not about it's not about that we don't believe the research or we don't think breakfast is important. It's just it's um, stacking that against what we already know about our families. And sometimes I think that's what the the quick and easy tips marketers want us to forget that we know our kids. And as we get through our kids, you know, we will share that we have some good breakfast eaters and some who don't and some who prefer like a ham sandwich for breakfast. And it's all right. <laughs> you, you know what's going on. I also I was thinking about this and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I always found it so funny in pop culture, especially sitcoms or any kind of TV, how they always show a family sitting around an actual, a proper table with breakfast with like a pitcher of orange juice and like hot steaming pancakes in the middle. And like the grownups are pouring coffee and the children are sitting. I've never experienced a scene like that in my entire life in a, in a busy working family. And I actually have early risers. It's not a, it's not a, like what time the alarm clock goes off. It's just, I think that's, I I think that is a relic from the farm days maybe, or like something we're holding on. It's a little extra. It's a little extra. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, even shows as recently as like Ozark and Breaking Bad uh, both did this where they showed the family and those, these are highly dysfunctional families, by the way, but they still right. are sitting down with a pitcher of orange juice and a therm and a, a like a, a coffee pot of coffee. And then like anyone want more eggs? And it's like, right. really? Like, who does that? I don't well, know. And I, I admit there are times on the weekend that we are sitting around, you know, doing the egg, not on a school day for at all right. um, on the weekends. But I don't even remember the last time I put OJ in a pitcher. Like <laughs> and that's, I'm trying to think like, have I ever had a clear glass pitcher full of OJ? And I feel like I didn't watch Breaking Bad, but I get a, I kind of understand what the show is about. And I did watch Ozark and I almost feel like they were trying almost like trying really hard to juxtapose the underlying dysfunction against yeah. like the, I don't want to get too far into like the media, um, you know, symbolism and like, you know, yeah, I don't know, some kind of critique here, but it was almost like they were trying to show this like Ozzie and Harriet family, leave it to Beaver that actually is like running a crime ring. And right. like, and that's the same, so, it's the yeah. same in Breaking Bad. So you're right. It is yeah. probably an artistic, artistic choice, but that's pretty funny. I would oh love to gosh. hear from any listener of ours who has a clear picture that they regularly put OJ into on weekday mornings when on week two, when all adults are working and children are going to school <laughs> and look you know if you and your family have prioritized morning meals and are sitting around because maybe your work situation is different or maybe someone's coming off the night shift like of course we leave room for all of this to be celebrated at the same time I think we should go into this episode very clear that like uh, you know how I always say, like, lower your expectations and then lower them again. Like, let's yeah. lower our expectations to the point that our kids are getting the nutrients they need and we are sending them off into their day so that they're not going to fall over before recess. And it's that's about it. Like, that's the bar. The bar is much lower, I think, than sometimes we think it is. And that's that's why where we wanted to kind of start this episode. So 
Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so let's just kind of both share what breakfast culture is like in our families and, and almost like how our family culture has evolved with breakfast over the years and what what our morning personalities are like and how that informs it all. So what's been your breakfast style or philosophy over the years, Megan? And and definitely speak to weekends versus weekdays, because I think that'll be a through line as well. Yeah. So I know we're going to talk a little bit more about like what our weekend um, and like, you know, more casual meals look like. But I, I would say just to contrast, like on the weekends, I love long, leisurely, huge breakfasts. If I had a glass pitcher to put OJ in, I totally would. <laughs> and then on school mornings, honestly, it's just grab some crap. I'm hardly awake. And it's gotten really harder, actually, as my kids have gotten older, because not only does their start time get earlier and earlier, but now they're staggered. So I really could be doing that thing where I'd be standing in the kitchen just like, you know, like that very stereotypical sitcom mom thing mm-hmm. or like, or almost like a commercial mom, mm-hmm. the one for like some kind of yes, like totally. waffle, like toaster waffles or whatever. 
She's like standing in the kitchen, just trying to shove food in her kids' faces. And they're all just like walking past her in different directions. That's truly how it would look if I did that because they're coming and going. And I'm also trying to get them moving. I don't have the luxury of like hanging out in the kitchen in my bathrobe, hoping they're going to come to me for food. I also have to make sure they have their stuff, that everything that they need to have signed has been signed, that they know where their shoes are when they don't know where their shoes are. You know, so there's a lot that goes into it. And it's not like mom's only job on a school morning is to feed her kids. And that's another thing that I've always found kind of annoying about those tropes is Mm -hmm. like this idea that that's all mom has to do. Um, It is not. Right. (laughs) But um, I can I can always get my kids to take a cup to take a cup of tea in the morning. Um, That is something that they will all do. Sometimes they only drink half of it, but they'll definitely all like sit down at the island and curl their hand around a cup of tea and breathe in the warmth. And that makes me feel good because it feels like if they're willing to sit down and do that, if they really wanted something else, they'd eat it. But usually they don't really want something else. My kids are not big morning eaters. Um, at least they're getting something warm in them. It feels like something. I used to also pack my kids extra food in their lunches mm-hmm. um, back when I was packing lunches for them, when they, like elementary and middle school. Um, and my, I might do that for Clara this year and just encourage them to like steal themselves a snack. Mm-hmm. So like fruit, you know, I'd put that like on top or sometimes I'd actually put it in the zipper compartment of their um, lunch or their backpack instead of Mm -hmm. in their lunchbox. And just be like, you know, if you get really hungry, here's some grapes. It'll get you through. And I've also over the years had some they've had some teachers. um, I think I told you about two snack Bora, who was two or three of my kids teachers. And she actually wanted the kids to each have two snacks, which I remember thinking was a little extra and over the top. But some kids really want to eat twice. And so once I got used to it, it was fine. If I, yeah. I, I'm sorry to snack Bora for, for um, maligning you on the show. Cause she was a fantastic teacher. And some of my kids really liked that. It was almost like another shot at the breakfast they rejected early. So, well, and she probably um, as yeah. a teacher realized that like she was dealing with kids, many of whom may have not eaten breakfast because they were in a rush or just weren't hungry. And so giving the, the two snack option at least meant that you didn't have super hungry kids. At lunchtime. Absolutely. Yes. I think that was exactly where she was going. So I would say we have drastically different breakfast cultures on week mornings and weekend mornings. Um, one being very enjoyable and late and long and leisurely. And the other one being kind of just rushed and just do what you got to do about you. Do you, well, I was going to ask first, do you have any memories of when like your first two little boys were going to daycare or preschool first thing, and you were headed off to an office? Did you feel a similar pressure to like give them oatmeal or yogurt or something, or has it always been kind of grab and go? I feel like with them, I think it was easier in in a weird way when they were little, because I really had to oversee every single part of their morning anyway. So I was getting them both up and I I've talked, I had to get up earlier than I do now because I would have to get them up and I would just carry them out of bed and place them in the bathtub. Oh, that's Um, right. Yes. Yeah. So when they were first going to daycare, that was how I got them to wake up in the morning. So I would literally carry them bodily out of their beds. And they were like, you know, two and four or something like that. One and a half and three, something like that. And I'd put them in the bathtub and sit there with them while they like literally unfolded. It was like they were all (laughs) like, I don't know, just little helpless, you know, curled up things. And they would kind of unfold in the tub. And I didn't let them hang out in there very long, but I would kind of get myself ready while they were doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I'd pick them up and carry them out and I'd go put them at the table. And then I would give them food so that they would sit and eat their food while I got the rest of my morning going. Right. Um, And at the time, you know, 
already tea was a part of my morning, my morning routine and all that kind of thing. So, um, there was just, it felt easier in a way because we were all doing the same thing and moving in the same direction at the same time. Right. And you were like in charge of all the pieces. So it was exactly, yeah, you were directing it all, all the time. And and feeding was helpful because I would put them, it gave them something to do while I was making sure I had, you know, their folders, um, to, you know, uh, Jacob was going to preschool and like a preschool daycare. And so like he had to have his stuff turned in and like, there was a lot of stuff I had to do in the mornings that I didn't really want them just running around. So giving them some fruit and yogurt and cereal, whatever it was, actually at that time really made a lot of sense. It's just a lot different now. Now they're kind of, you know, some of them drag. They don't want to get out of bed and I can't carry them and put them in the bathtub anymore. They're too, it would be weird, first of all, but <laughs> they're too big weird. for that. And some of them want to sleep to the last minute and that's okay. Like I remember what that was like. And, mm-hmm. and as long as they get to school on time, I'm not going to yell at them too hard about the fact that they're not sitting at the table waiting for me. Um, yeah. So it just feels more scattered and less, it just feels less like we're all doing the same thing in the morning now. And that actually makes breakfast a lot harder, I think. Yeah, I can see that. So in our house, I am an early riser and I have early risers and our whole house moves pretty quickly in the morning. I have mostly early risers, I should say. I have one who decidedly isn't anymore. But I'm also, um, I'm high energy and high functioning in the morning, which does is not a moral statement. Like I, I know there's a lot of like, morning people tend to be praised as if we had anything to do with it. It's just how I am. It's not like I'm no good in the evening, Um, but I am pretty high functioning in the morning and I have a flexible start to my work day. So for, for that reason, it makes sense in our family that I'm a pretty hands-on like short order cook. I'm using the, the term cook very loosely and we'll get into hot versus cold and convenience food, but I prefer to be kind of standing in the kitchen facilitating breakfast and, and even making it for my kids, even though they're old enough and capable enough to get their own stuff. But I actually would rather, you know, we always talk about like when you'd rather be the one in control of your domain in a given, in a given situation. So I'd rather kind of stay in control of the short order cooking process, which might mean I'm popping some, um, frozen waffles in the toaster oven Um, or I might even scramble eggs for a kid, or I'm at least getting the milk and the spoon out and they'll grab the cereal and we'll kind of tag team it together. Um, so that that's pretty effective for us. What it means is I've never been super into things like prep ahead breakfast or overnight oats or making muffins because I, I I don't, I'm not very good at thinking ahead like that. And I'm good. I happen to be good on the fly in this instant. So I've always relied on what I will call reasonably nutritious convenience staples like whole wheat toast, cereal with less sugar than the worst, like second worst. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Of course, we started out with like no sugar added cereal and we've graduated to probably middle of the road. We'll still save like the most sugary cereal for like vacations and stuff. But we're not we're not winning any kind of like breakfast awards over here. But I think what defines my personality is that I am I'm up and I'm I'm uh, using that breakfast time as a connection point and like and I'm in charge of it still. That may change as the kids get older or maybe somebody does have to get up extra early for some like earlier start. But it's always worked that um, that I'm I am the short order cook and I'm very hands on in the breakfast hour. Not that it's a full I, I want to add to a couple of the things that you just said. One is that um, I personally, and I would be much more likely to be someone who would make like those prep ahead breakfasts because I kind of like, like I get a warm, fuzzy feeling about those kinds of things. Like 
making muffins to have. Now, muffins will go. If I baked muffins, they would totally go. But things like like quiche in like muffin tins, like the little mini quiches yeah. or like overnight oats and things like that, they have just never been a hit with my kids. And it's kind of depressing, honestly, mm-hmm. to do the effort to make something like that and then have it just get ignored. Um, and so I really went in a different direction with that. I would be much more likely to just like, I don't know, have have, like you said, like a reasonably healthy cereal. I did shy away from, um, you know, like, I'm just going to say like toaster pastries to give you like the, yeah. g- the brand uh-huh. generic version. Uh-huh. I shied away from that because I knew that if I went down that road, it's almost like the kids would never come back from it Yes, <laughs> or to like, um, buy them like the packaged breakfast bars. I've had those things and the kids thought they could take them or leave them. They didn't really love them anyway. So that was handy. But I always felt like if I started offering that, I would never be able to stop. So on the very off chance that I would give my kids something like that in the morning, I would always give them a huge caveat like, oh, I just happened to buy this box yesterday because I felt like being a really nice mom. Um, You know, and same thing with for a little while, I had a little um, like a little routine or I guess a little ritual where I was I would do my grocery shopping on the same day every week and I would always buy one container of um, donut holes from the Mm -hmm. bakery at the grocery store but I always bought a small enough number that there wouldn't be any left over, and each kid got three. And I did that oh, like yeah. super intentionally because I was like, I want them to know this is a treat. It's not breakfast, and they're not going to be able to ask for it tomorrow. Like yeah. it's just yeah. something I'm doing for them to be nice. And they would sit and have that with a glass of milk. So at least like those days, I knew that they'd sit because, of course, what kid's not going to eat a donut, right. even if they That's have to get up a little breakfast. earlier? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so but I just I wanted to limit and put like I just wanted parameters around it. Um, yeah. But I, it's that I, arbitrary I have a similar rule tip thing. later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, the, and having clear expectations. I think as you're talking, what I'm realizing, at least for the way we've done breakfast is unlike dinner, where what I strive for is to say, this is what we're having for dinner. And here it is on the table and, you know, pick what you want of this, but this is what we're having. We've never done that with breakfast. And so there's always a certain amount of personal choice, which is great. So a kid might have toast or might have cereal or might have a frozen waffle warmed up. But then when, when choice is the option, exactly like you say, then to say, I made these, I lovingly made these muffin tin quiches or these right. like slow cooked overnight oats. I agree. My kids probably just aren't going to go for that. But it, it, in another family, if you if you approach breakfast differently, and especially if your kids are still really little, you might say like today's oatmeal day, we're having oatmeal. And I think that could work great. It's just not it's again, this show is often about like how we've done things and that's never how I've done things. So you're so right. You have to be careful with what are the choices on the table. And I actually wrote down a tip later in the episode about like, you better only have things in your house that you're willing to serve for breakfast. Because if you, if you have those donut holes and the, and the toaster pastries and all those and keep them stored away, it could mean some more, some early morning power struggles that you're just not awake enough, not caffeinated enough to have. Right. Exactly. I want to quickly, like, um, before we move on, just talk quickly about, you know, we're kind of coming at this with the assumption that all of the kids are going off to school, but a lot of listeners and for you and I both were in this situation for a long time were like either none of them were, in which case that's a totally mm-hmm. different thing or some were, and then some were still at home. And I just have to say like some of my fondest memories of being 
a mom with some school-aged kids and other littles was after the bigger ones went off to school, having almost like a second shot at breakfast yeah. with the youngers. And remember my tea and toast ritual with Clara, like yeah. every single day we would have tea and toast together every day. Um, but it often wasn't till like 10. Mm-hmm. And, and that was okay. Like she, she didn't, my point is she didn't have to sit down with the boys yeah. in the morning and have breakfast just because they were having breakfast or whatever they were doing, you know, having half a bowl of cereal and leaving the rest in the, in the sink or whatever it was they were doing. Um, she got to have like her own breakfast experience and I actually have serious warm fuzzies about that. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And and this is the stuff that changes so quickly too. whatever your season is right now. It's it's going to change and maybe breakfast changes even more for a while, like you said, because it's so tied to what time everybody is exiting the house if they are. Um, so that can change. Well, on a completely different plane, let's talk about some um, products or brands or even kitchen appliances whatever the go-tos have been for us over the years. And I can go first with a couple. Um, and I just have a few, but the first one is a good blender. Um, and my kids are not great smoothie drinkers. So I'm not saying we've always used the blender every morning, but because Brian and I over the years have both done smoothies, the blender's almost always out in the morning. And I just was doing the math and I believe that we have had our blender for over a decade or we're coming up on a decade at like at least eight or nine years. And we do have one of like one of the big two pricey brands that you hear about. And now there are new ones. Now there's like ninjas and other weird things. And so this is not like I'm not promoting a particular brand, but I will say it's been a purchase where the cost was steep at the front end and it has not even it's not even showing signs of age. So a really good blender has been um, a great option for the morning. And if you do have kids who like smoothies, you know, that's a great um, that's a great way to even sneak in a few little greens or some some kind of like protein powder or something that you feel like makes you feel good to get into your kids bellies in the morning. Um, And I'll I'll get to uh, frozen smoothies or popsicles in a second. So blender for one Um, toaster oven. I know you're going to have thoughts on toasters and I have thoughts. We've had both a traditional pop up toaster and a toaster oven. And what I don't like about my toaster oven is it has to sit on the counter all the time because I really like to be able to put things away and have a relatively minimal kitchen counter. And mine's just too big. I can't store it anywhere else. But it is nice to be, I can put four pieces of bread in there at the same time. I can see, I can see them in there. I can melt cheese or do something like that on there. So it's, it's more versatile than just the traditional pop-up toaster, but I've had, I've had both. Um, and then silicone popsicle molds, um, they make these in all different sizes and Violet used to be really good about eating. I would just freeze vanilla yogurt, like store-bought vanilla yogurt. And then I would put some blueberries or crushed up raspberries in there and then freeze it and call that a popsicle in the morning. It was just yogurt and fruit, but it was frozen into the shape of a popsicle. And you can do the same with leftover smoothie. So if your kids don't like to drink smoothies, but they might eat them like a popsicle, Um, We just had a constant rotation. I'll link to the ones we have, but there are so many out there. Um, And my tip for this, the popsicle molds is to do get small ones because your kid can always eat two or three popsicles if they're hungry, but it's, there's nothing worse than like a half melted and a bunch of wasted yogurt or smoothie or whatever it is. So they, they make a lot of like mini popsicle molds and those were great. And we use them more for breakfast than even like for treat popsicles. And it was almost always vanilla yogurt and fruit in there or a smoothie. Um, and then I have one more product 
that I that is a more recent thing for our family, and that is the hexclad line of frying pans. Um, we are kind of we have a lot of of cookware because Brian really likes to cook, and we had scan pan before this, which are also very nice. And both scan pan and hexclad, I believe, are trying to solve the thing of like um, being nonstick or like being nonstick without having that nonstick coating right. that mm-hmm. people aren't such a big fan of anymore. I the hexclad pans. Megan, they are, they are magic. Like they'll brown your meat and they'll do all the things that traditional stainless or cast iron would, but they wash amazing. And you don't have to be careful with spatulas on them. It's like magic and they're, they're pricey. So we got one small one for scrambled eggs at first to see if we liked it. And we ended up getting bigger ones. So just in case that's like on somebody's list for like an investment, um, we have three sizes and we only have the frying pan. So we still use our Dutch ovens and our cast iron. We still have lots of other, but just for the um, frying pan for scrambled eggs or fried eggs or something, they are incredible and they clean so easily. So there you go. Hexclad popsicle molds, a toaster oven, maybe, and a good blender. That's, those are like really good specific, um, recommendations because mine is mine are very much more I guess generic yeah you and I have had the toaster oven debate on this show before yeah, I'm haven't sure we, we have. okay I'm sure I feel we like have. this has been something that we've oft like gone returned to yeah I finally took my toaster oven down to the curb and someone picked it up within half an hour um I am back to being a toaster only family for a couple of reasons um I know you can see the toast. You can put the four pieces in at a time and you can see the pieces and there's a benefit. However, getting them out is a finger burning. Uh, Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. can be kind of an ordeal. And I never, when my kids were really little, I just didn't really feel safe with the toaster oven. It always felt like super hazardous. Like it was too easy to open it and stick your fingers in it or like just mess with it. And then as they got older, we just stopped using it for anything besides making toast. And I don't think it's the best choice for making toast. So I am now back to a four slot toaster. Mm-hmm. And I have, I didn't even realize that I was doing this, but I almost have this like system I figured out where if you violently eject the toast, <laughs> you can make it fly onto a plate. Like you can literally, you know, you hold the little thing uh-huh. instead of just hitting the cancel button. If you like jerk the little, um, I don't even know what you'd call yeah. that. Like the little lever yeah. up uh-huh. the toast flies out the top and you can catch it on a plate and you don't have to burn your fingers and you can give I it like two like or three seconds straight out of like the family ties <laughs> intro or something. <laughs> it might be. Now, if you have more time, you can just let it sit there popped and then come back and grab it when it's not so hot. But if you're, you know, I feel to me, it is a more pleasing toast experience getting it out of a toaster, a, a traditional toaster. So I went back to that. It's, I don't, I couldn't even tell you the brand. I bought it because I thought it was cute. It looks it looks good in my kitchen. I don't remember nice. like what else it is. Um, I do have a KitchenAid electric kettle. It's the second one. The first one I was totally in a post travel you know brain fog and lit it on fire. And then um, somebody I was dating at the time, this was a couple of years ago, then caught it on fire again. And so then it was time to get rid of it. And same, we put this. We both did the same thing. Like took it and stuck the electric kettle on the stovetop. Right. And I had had it for years. I don't know what I was thinking anyway. Um, so now I have a new version of that. It's really pretty. It's a lot of use in my family. Like we probably are turning that thing on, you know, five, six, seven times a day and in the summer more. So it's a lot. 
Um, I'm glad you talked about skillets. I have a high-sided skillet that I love for making eggs and anything where you just don't want anything running off the side, but you also, like you want to be able to kind of violently scrape right. the sides yeah. and that's great. But, but the, the coating has always been an issue for me and I have a couple stainless steel ones, but then I find that they just, you know, you know, the problem with stainless yep. steel, they don't, it's hard to get eggs. The eggs get yeah. all sticky and stuck. Um, and I have two, somehow two pampered chef batter, batter bowls. I don't okay. know how, because I've only been to one pampered chef party in my entire life, but someone must've given me one as a gift. And I love those for weekends, um, making pancakes and stuff because they've got, you just, it's got, it's like a big glass bowl with a handle, but it looks like a, like it's got a pouring spout and it's got the measurement markers on the side. Mm-hmm. And it's super easy to scrape down. You can pour the pancake batter out if you want. You, and there's a lid that goes with it. So if you don't want to make all the batter, you can, or if you want to like chill the batter, which I know is big with like the Swedish yeah. pancakes and stuff, you can stick it in with that. So those are like, I guess those are like the tools yeah, that like we it. use the most. I like and, a, and a spatula. It's like a regular old, nice rubber edged spatula kind of a lot. Yeah, those are necessary. Um I was going to say for pancake batter, my mom has one of those really fancy things where you can make the batter. It looks like a, like a large liquid measuring vessel, only the handle, you squeeze it and release the batter from below. So it's like oh. a, it's like you hold it over the pan, you squeeze it and the batter squirts out. So it's like a squirter, but also you make the batter right in it. Um, and that's kind of cool. I don't have one of those, but kind of cool. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. 
Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, Megan, before we get back to the weekday grind, and we promise we, we do have some, uh, some time-saving tips for the weekdays, um, but let's talk about those luxurious weekend breakfasts or day off or summertime or whenever you're having long breakfast. Or you- entire pandemic. Yes. Yeah. We're like <laughs> the first 90 days of a global pandemic. So right. you've alluded to this, but tell me about your family culture around uh, luxurious, lazy breakfasts. Not lazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. And I and, and I think for us, it's it's not about reinventing the wheel when it comes to food, although I do like to occasionally um, do something a little bit different, like add blueberries or chocolate chips to pancakes or make Swedish pancakes, um, or crepes or something like that. So that sometimes happens, but typically it's just a smorgasbord of food. And I think what's fun about it is like, I get to do what I like to do, which is putter in the kitchen. And when I'm finally done, I've got everything. I've got the pancakes and the bacon and the sausage and the eggs, like in all my pretty bowls, I get to get mm-hmm. my pretties out, which is mm-hmm. fun too. Cause I've got all my vintage Pyrex and stuff and they're all full. And then I just love having the kids come in. That's when I break out the OJ, not in a pitcher, but I will make like fake mimosas for the kids. And sometimes a real one for myself. It's like, if it's late enough in the morning and it's just really relaxed and fun. And, um, it's really not so much about the food. Although, although all of us have gotten good at making pancakes and bacon, Um, some of the kids have gotten good at making eggs. Uh, Will can make a good egg to order and most of the kids can scramble eggs. Most of the kids are good at making pancakes and bacon. We usually do it in the oven. So Mm -hmm. that just takes a a watchful eye. But I think it's this whole, like the culture really is like mom gets to putter, but everyone can kind of, I don't know, chip in in some way. And it's just a little bit it's a little bit of excess because it's probably more food than it seems like we need, but somehow it still manages to all get eaten yeah. anyway. Um, and then we pick at it. Like we'll have it out and be picking at it for hours or I'll put it in the fridge. Sometimes we're still picking at it the next day, um, but it, it all gets eaten. And that's fun too. How I about you? That. Yeah, this has changed a lot for us because at one time in my marriage, I was the far more experienced breakfast home cook. Like I've always, I I think I grew up, I learned to make eggs pretty well. Um, growing up, I learned to make really good French toast. Um, I had pancakes down and even though Brian loves to cook, he was more drawn to dinner. So for a long time, um, I was the one making pancakes or French toast for the kids on the weekends. And, um, I want to, I want to put a plug in for pancakes from scratch. If, if somebody's never done that and has always bought the mix, there's nothing wrong with with buying a mix. In fact, they have really good mixes nowadays. Like some have more protein or some like have like buttermilk flavor. However, I have always found that having one pancake recipe that I commit to memory, because it's just not that many ingredients. It's just, it's, it's just a ratio flour, you know, baking soda, salt, egg, milk, um, and maybe a little sugar. Once I had a really simple pancake recipe memorized, it saved me money. It saved me pantry storage or having to always like have a mix on hand. 
And it's really easy to modify. So I'd use whole wheat flour. I use coconut oil. If I was trying to be like healthy for the kids, we'd add this. Or if you're low on, if you don't have an egg, like make it without eggs. So uh, scratch pancakes are more forgiving than you think. And you know, able to be modified in sometimes fun ways. So if anyone feels like that sounds intimidating, it's really not. In fact, I actually found it easier to just know how to make pancakes from scratch, if that makes so sense. So did you say you have that committed to memory? I do. Yeah. Or for, for a while when I was making it for the kids almost every weekend, I did. And then Reed has actually become the pancake chef in our family. It's really cute because he's the least inclined to cook most things. But he will make pancakes or waffles from scratch. So I haven't done it in a while. I might have forgotten mine. But at one point, yeah, I had a really simple one committed to memory. And his is he's got his committed to memory, too. So it's just it becomes as perfunctory as getting out, you know, like with French toast, you don't look at a recipe. You just get out eggs, milk and bread. And it becomes as as kind of no big deal as that. Um, once once you don't have to look at a printed out recipe or your phone. So. Okay. What about Swedish pancakes? I I feel like we've talked about this before, but that is one Mm -hmm. thing I have had zero luck making from scratch. I have had a lot of luck making from a batter that I picked up at a Swedish restaurant one time. I've given up, but I just wonder if, is that something you have committed to memory? Or is it like a family recipe? I know you have a family recipe. Yeah, We have a family recipe and it all starts with how many eggs you have. That's the joke because the great, great grandmother was like, well, how many eggs do you have? And my, whoever was asking for the recipe was like, well, how many do I need? And she was like, well, how many do you have? Because that's how recipes were. Like they weren't, they weren't really written down, but we do now have our family recipe written down. And that one, I follow the recipe just because I don't feel, I don't trust myself to be as instinctual about it, but regular pancakes. Um, yeah, just easier from scratch than you think. Um, what was I saying? So I guess over time I have backed, I have stepped back away from being the main, um, weekend breakfast cook and that's okay. If, if they're going to do waffles, we'll do, we'll do homemade waffles in the waffle maker instead of the Trader Joe's frozen ones or pancakes. Um, Brian will make a Dutch baby sometimes, which I think we got that recipe. I was inspired by the didn't I just feed you ladies, which by the way, listeners, if you're not listening to their podcast, it's all about feeding families and you totally should be, but they post such fun things to Instagram. And I had never, I had had a Dutch baby, I think at Walker brothers in Chicago or something, but I had never made one. They're so good. (laughs) Oh my God. When Brian makes them, they're so huge and Reed and Violet split one and Allegra gets half and then I get the other half. So those are so delicious. Um, but I've never made them. Brian tends to do those. And then Brian's incredible at omelets. Now I used to, again, I, at one point I was the better egg cook, but I have been surpassed. He's really, really good at just, just a classic French omelet and with just a little cheese, or maybe he'll put mushrooms and spinach. So yeah, again, we, we love the cooking part of it. It's a great way to teach kids, uh, kitchen skills. I think there's no, at least in the rhythm of our family, a weekend morning where there's not a lot going on is such a better headspace for letting kids have a little independence in the kitchen. It's easier than a weeknight dinner. Um, definitely easier than a weekday breakfast. So there can be, I think lots of, lots of benefits to using that time to play maybe with breakfast foods. I would love to get probably in my family. Will would be the the right one to do it. Um, that, I would like him to learn how to do omelets because for me, I've never quite gotten omelets down. So I make a lot of scrambles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, which are like the poor man's version, of, you yeah. know, like uh, the poor cook's version of a, of a, of a, an omelet. But um, yeah, so that's really fun. Yeah. Um, well, I thought we could finish up with just a grab bag, a potpourri of tips 
time savers, things we forgot to mention earlier that maybe can help our listeners as they think about breakfast this fall. And I can go first because mine are completely all all over the map. But this is like Sarah's laundry list of things I thought to to share with you as I thought about breakfast. Um, and you touched on this one earlier in the episode, Megan, which is those wonderful treat like things in the morning, like donut holes or toaster pastries. Um, I would just recommend only having in your home breakfast foods that are allowed to be served on those crazy school mornings, because it can lead to, at least in my house, it has led to like, can can I have this? Or can I have the chocolate chip version? Or can I? So I just stopped buying anything that was going to cause a morning power struggle or have really clear and, and really fun arbitrary rules, like you said, about this is for weekends or this is for, you know, whatever, when we have company or something like that. Just because I feel like our mental space in the mornings for power struggles is the, the ice is thin there. Yeah. So just a little little tip there. Well, and I would take that to like sugar cereals and things like that, too. It might be exactly. OK with you to have that. But like you buy this the 10 ounce box, like the really small one. Well, if you have a big family like mine, a 10 ounce box gets you through exactly one breakfast with all five of your kids. Yeah. So it's like, guess what? This is the day that gets this get, gets eaten. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's going to be around tomorrow or the next day. Right. Exactly. It's your your once in a while stuff. Um, so I guess earlier we touched on whether it's easier for you to have your kids independent in the morning or whether it serves your family to have maybe one adult be sort of in charge of breakfast. It can get very busy in a kitchen. Even if you have kids who are capable of getting their own breakfast, in my experience, it can create a lot of just kitchen chaos. You have multiple bodies moving around, grabbing the milk, grabbing the spoons. So I guess the first tip would be to think about how you want that morning flow to go and don't be afraid to kind of set some expectations of like in the weekdays on school days, this is how we do breakfast. Like you're responsible for getting your own or you're not responsible for getting your own. And then I think what I would add to that is if you have younger kids who are on the cusp of almost being ready to be independent with their breakfast, and that's a goal for you, think about some little, just little changes or little purchases that can shave just fractions of bits of time off of your you needing to be involved in every piece of buttered toast or every, you know, getting the yogurt out of the fridge. And it might be as simple as moving stuff lower down so they can reach it or getting a getting a type of butter knife that they can handle and spread or like buying the really spreadable cream cheese instead of the the one that's like stuff. Yeah, the fluffy (laughs) stuff instead of the really like hard, uncomfortable. So it's almost like I'm picturing you doing an audit of your morning. And we're actually going to do a couple um, a couple of fun episodes later this month and early September about the morning hustle. So we'll get more into like efficiency. But don't forget that rushed breakfasts like you can shave little bits of time off of different things and, and save yourself a lot of frustration um, by making sure your kids have what they need to be independent. And again, it's, it could be as simple as, oh, like a cereal dispenser, like having a thing they can pour cereal out of that isn't going to spill everywhere or moving Mm. stuff lower down in the fridge that they can reach. And just like, yeah, as you go into the school year, think about, think about that flow and see if there are small ways to increase the kid's independence, if that's your goal. Or like me, I don't actually want my kids that independent. I want to be the the one in (laughs) charge. charge. Yeah. Um, and then I, I've said this before, but I often do not do breakfast dishes for a very long time in my day. And breakfast creates a lot of dishes. So if you need a permission slip 
And if normally you really like to leave the house with a tidy sink or not leave dishes in the sink, it's totally to each mom their own. It's not the real phrase, but you know what I mean? Um, I just have found it. It's a, like a stress reliever for me to know that I will get to that pile of breakfast dishes at some point, but my priority in the morning is getting everybody out the door on time, fed, happy, and the dishes can wait. And then often I'll start my workday and I will do the breakfast dishes hours later, lunchtime, after school. Well, I was just thinking, I'm not sure I've ever done the breakfast dishes at breakfast on a school day because usually what I would do is wait until enough dishes piled up through the day. Mm Mm-hmm that I could run it and have the dishwasher done by dinner. That's usually my goal. So unless there were so many dishes that I was going to need to run it twice, it almost feels less efficient to me to do the dishes in the morning and then do them again in the afternoon. That makes sense. I'd rather just do them once. So, Well, and I think I, I leave a pretty messy kitchen counter at breakfast. So when I'm saying doing the dishes, like it might, other than putting milk back in the fridge, like anything that would spoil, I will get back in the fridge, but the rest might look like, a disaster for even a few hours and I'll get to it eventually. So, Oh, um, well, so this is where your personality and mine are so different, just like yours and Brian's, because if I recall correctly, Brian and I are both dish stackers. Uh huh. Like we like to take things off the counter and put them in the sink. Yeah. And And you you would rather have it out. Yeah. (laughs) And you'd rather have it out. Right. I just, it doesn't bother me to leave it out because I know that when I do it, I'll get it all the way done and I'll wipe the counters and it'll all look nice, but it doesn't bother me if that's like five hours later at all. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. All right. doesn't. Interesting. I have to at least have it organized somewhere. Yeah. I get that. I think your, your way is more the norm and probably more the recommended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then last to each one, their own, Sarah, to, to each, each their own, to each their own. Last one. If you are making kids lunches either the night before, maybe, or maybe like early in the morning before the kids wake up, um, just don't forget that you can batch those, um, cutting up fruit or peeling an orange or, um, you know, putting out even some cheese cubes or something. There's nothing that says breakfast food has to be traditional breakfast food. So if you're already doing some lunch prep, um, I think sometimes there are opportunities to leave some of that same stuff out for breakfast and see if, see if you got any takers. Yeah. Great. Well, I just have a couple tips. Um, and these aren't, you know, necessarily like mind blowers, but one that I've really learned over the years is that there's this, you know, you go to like make up your pancake batter, or if you're using it out of a box, like I do, you know, you're having to figure out like, do I want to portion out? It says 12 to 15 pancakes or whatever. First yeah. of all, that's always under like the way that we do pancakes. That's never right. Like, it's like the silver dollar. Tiny exactly. Ones. Exactly. Yeah. So I always make way more of all of it than I think I, I'll need. And if I'm working from like a finite amount, like a box of, of batter, you know, a, a mix or something, I'll make, I'll make, I'll use up the whole box because mm-hmm. I know that once it's done, like the efforts all like the efforts all in the heating up the pan, getting the pan the perfect heat, um, mixing the batter to the right consistency. That's all the work. Mm-hmm. Like standing there and flipping the pancakes is nothing after that. And so I'd rather have a huge pile that then the kids would be eating into the next day or sometimes even makes it they sometimes make it into the school week. So mm-hmm. that's like a super easy breakfast is just to microwave the, you know, six pancakes left over from the other day and have them sitting out for the kids to grab on their way at the door. Sausage mm-hmm. links work really well for that too. And mm-hmm. I think they usually come, if you buy them in those packages, they come, I don't know, there's like 15 in the package or something. And you might be thinking that's way too many, but you don't have to eat them all today. Um, and those are just nice little bite-sized 
little weenie things that you can stick in a baggie and eat in the car on the way to school or, or wherever. So, um, that's one thing. And I guess you could translate that to a lot of different things. Like whatever it is you're making, make more than you think you'll need when you have Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Um, and the relaxation and just give yourself the benefit of some brekkie leftovers and Mm -hmm. kids love that kind of thing. And then Sarah, you mentioned like doing that prep, um, like when you're cutting up fruit and things like that for, for, um, lunches. And I would just say in general, I just have this image in my head right now of Isaac or sorry, Owen right now, he's got this like hair going on. I don't even know what to <laughs> say about it. If anybody Every time ever you watched, talk about it, you just sort of trail off. So I actually have <sighs> no idea what his hair looks I'm like. I'm going to send like, you a picture. It's, it's a thing. Did, did you ever watch, um, the show Fraggle Rock? Um, I, I think I did, but I, I don't have a mental image. Okay. So there was a, there was a Fraggle. I believe his name was Goober, but I could be wrong about that. <laughs> and Jenna sent me a picture from our camping trip of like a side-by-side of Owen <laughs> with the, his hat pulled down and his hair in his face. And then a picture of Goober who's also, he's like, looks like a turtle or something, but you can't see his face. So you never know like what he is. And he's got a hat like down over his eyes and they looked identical and it made me laugh really hard. So anyway, point being um, I just have this mental image of me standing on one side of the island and Owen standing on the other side, not able to see any, as far as I can tell, he can't see anything. He hasn't and he's seen just, anything in weeks. He just sticks his hand out and whatever is in front of his hand, he just kind of grabs it and then puts that food in his mouth, right? <laughs> so then I'm thinking like over all the years, like what has really worked with my kids in the morning to get them to eat? And it's just having food sitting out portioned not even mm-hmm. in a bowl. Like they don't even want to bother with bowls and forks and things in the morning. If the goal, and again, you know, we've talked about this before with like dinner and, and all kinds of parenting things. If the goal is for all of you to sit down together and eat a proper breakfast, like proper people with utensils and napkins, this is not the strategy for you. But right. if the goal is simply to get nutrition into their body so that they're not starving, you know, two hours before lunch, you might find that having bite-sized, healthy enough foods sitting out where they can just shovel it into their non-seeing faces. Because (laughs) even if they don't have hair blindness, a lot of kids just have, you know, like morning blindness. Yeah. So if you can just make that really, really easy, portioned, grabbable, um, it might be very little work on your side, on your part. And then it does the job and now you don't have any dishes to do either. Mm-hmm. They're just like literally shoving into their faces. So it's not the most genteel solution, but, but it's effective. But it's a solution. <laughs> I found myself solution. doing that this summer. I know we've mostly focused on like back to school in fall, but this summer I just realized like I didn't have a reliable way of like knowing my kids were eating fruit, like ever kind of. And so I just right. started my morning with a big cutting board. And we actually have a lot of fruit. We've got some fruit trees that are going, we have our farm box. So like, so I just would start the morning by cutting up a ton of fruit and and leaving it on a cutting board, just like you said. And they, it's like, almost like you don't even, don't say anything. Don't tell them there's healthy food in front of them and just watch what happens. And they will come over and eat some. So I love that. I was also going to add, do you remember when you were at my house? And I think somebody made pancakes. I don't know if it was Reed or Brian. But Reed eats peanut butter on his pancakes. And I think you tried yes. it. And that's oh, so good. Yeah. So if your kids are peanut butter eaters, like if they like peanut butter sandwiches and stuff. Um, and we, for a long time, were at a school that was zero peanut, like no nuts anywhere, like super, super strict. So 
we never sent peanut butter during the day, but Reed got in the habit of peanut butter on a frozen waffle. So we get the Trader Joe's like they're like Eggo waffles, but it's Trader Joe's. Um, we'll toast our waffle with peanut butter or on the weekends, pancakes with peanut butter. Um, and when you were talking about your leftover pancakes, like you could seriously make like a little peanut butter honey sandwich or peanut butter banana sandwich out of some some leftover pancakes. That would be awesome. Yeah. And and I guess that's there's so many ways. The same thing with like waffles and peanut butter or jelly. I mean, there's so many ways to jazz up the foods that are easy and yeah. make them more delightful. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So as we're wrapping up, um, you know, we're talking a lot about school-aged kids and older today, but we just did a whole series on feeding toddlers about a month ago. Um, and that's, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, this doesn't, this is great looking for, but doesn't necessarily apply to me right now. Go back about a month. Um, and Sarah, how should they find those episodes? We'll link. I mean, if you just scroll back in your um, in your podcast app right now, it's it's called Feeding Toddlers. Um, and then you'll see the episodes from mid-July. But we can link them up in the show notes as well. Um, and we one of them that reminds me a little bit of this. Remember, we did one where we kind of went meal by meal. And we talked yeah. about little strategies for getting nutrition in throughout the day. We know it's a it's a different situation when you've got babies and toddlers at home. So I think that would be a nice compliment. Um, and I mentioned earlier, didn't I just feed you with our friends, Stacy and Megan, who are professional food writers and recipe developers, and their entire podcast is about feeding families, you know, easily making it more fun. So if that's new to you, I will link that up in the show notes because I guarantee they have some breakfast ideas that are more than just like, Hope your kids don't fall asleep by recess, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure was the gist of this one. Um, yeah. And then I did also mention that in a in a couple of weeks, we're going to return to this idea of not just breakfast, but getting out the door in the mornings, the morning hustle. Um, and we're going to, you know, do some house rules that are crowdsourced from our listener community and talk to a couple of our contributors. So um, rest assured, we are not done talking about school mornings. This was just, just the very beginning tip of the just iceberg. Just a little taste. And we, we know there's like so much more to say about school mornings. So we have you covered. We've got you covered. All right, Megan, this was fun. We'll talk to everybody in a week. Talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.